Good morning, Crossroads. Thank you for joining us here. And those of you tuning in online, we thank you for joining us. If you're joining us online, please leave a note in the chat. Let us know that you're joining us. Uh, I'm going to start this morning by reading something from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Would you please stand and worship with us this morning? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. 
It's a new horizon, and I'm set on you. And you meet me here today, mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts, they can all come to, because they can't stay along. And I believe you are.
We join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. And with one voice, a thousand generations sing worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Forever He shall reign. So let it be today we shout the hymn of heaven with angels Can have a seat. Good morning. Good morning. Glad you guys are here. It's a good day to be alive. Amen. Yeah. Good morning to those online. We thank God for those that are joining us on that other side of the internet. We thank God for those that are joining us online. Come on, can we clap? Yep. Just know that somebody's watching online. They're like, man, they're thinking about me. And in all seriousness, though, you know, the church is, is so much bigger than what we think it is. You know, it's so much bigger than America. Thank God. It's so much bigger than this world. Like God is doing a work and it's such a such a powerful song that we just sang. And maybe you've heard that for the first time, but I encourage you. It's written by Phil Wickham, um, which he's written many songs that we've we've, we sing here at Crossroads. But that song just to to, to one day like and that's where we're going to be sitting before Jesus. And it's going to be a mighty, wonderful, wonderful day. So. Love that song. Little taste, little taste. Uh, but welcome if you're here in the building and you're uh, brand new, you're visiting. We're glad you're here. If you're online visiting, thanks for being here with us. Uh, please let us know you're new or you're checking things out. You're a visitor. If you're here, please stop by the Welcome Center. We'd love to connect with you and just give you something by saying thanks for being here. We uh, we love our visitors. We love our church, and uh, we want you to catch a little glimpse of that by uh, just the way we we treat you. So hang out by the Welcome Center afterwards. All of our guests. Um, listen, this week we had the Finleyville. Fireman's Fair. Show of hands. Who was able to go? Anybody able to go to the Fireman's Fair? It was a great week. Like, the weather was awesome. I mean, I can think back at, like, years past where, like, you're not sure if it was, like, you know, there, there used to be a fair because of, like, the amount of water that the rain produced. But, like, it was an awesome week. It was such a great thing. I was telling some people, like, it was so cool to see people everywhere. Like, talking, laughing, like just hanging out. It was, it was awesome. It was such a great week. So thank you. Those from our church had served and it was great to see many of you there and just serving our community. And can we thank God for our firemen and our firewomen that serve year round? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, 
this is one of the things that's so cool is when you see someone who has, you know, a full-time job, and then I didn't know, and I see them with a, you know, volunteer firefighter department shirt on serving. It's like, okay, like, it just, it, it's so cool. And I got to see that this week, so it was very, very cool. Um, hey, listen, this uh, next, thir- the, uh, the next movie night is going to be August 13th, and so please uh, register online to join so we know who's coming. And we have the Rescue Dog food truck, which all proceeds benefit the Light of Life Rescue Mission. They're great guys, and the food's really great. So they're going to be up here. We're also going to have some dollar concessions. And so uh, we're going to be showing the movie Meet the Robinsons, which is a wonderful family movie. Uh, it, was, it actually previewed, or actually came out in 2007, so it's like it's so old it's new. Uh, but it's a great family movie. I laugh out loud at this movie. Um, but I encourage you all to come and just hang out. It's going to be our last movie night of the summer. That's going to be on August 13th. And then don't forget, uh, so back up a little bit, sorry. Next Sunday is going to be our church picnic. So make sure that you go to the lobby and sign up with Cindy Loudon. Um, and if you haven't signed up, she'll know who hasn't signed up and she'll probably hunt you down. So beat her to the chase, get signed up, and, and that way we know how much food to buy for next Sunday. But we're looking forward to being at Palmer Park and Denora. And uh, we're going to be there from 1 o'clock till 5 and just being hanging out as a church family, eating good food. So please join us next Sunday. Also, many of you have already asked about how you can support uh, Eric McIlvenny as he competes in the Paralympics in Tokyo. And so if you would like to give um, to Eric to help um, offset his costs, um, you can designate on your uh, gift. Uh, just write Eric McIlvenny. His name's on the screen. I'm sure that um, all... Uh, renditions of his last name will be accepted. Um, <laughs> but uh, we just want to pray for the McElvenny family um, and just pray for Eric as he competes because he's going for the gold. And he truly, like this last week, we had our VBS, and he truly has the heart of a champion because Jesus is at the helm. And so we're praying for Eric and praying for all of our Olympians and just praying for a great, just a great competition and a great time. But we're praying for Eric and uh, his family. So please, if you have any questions about that, you can uh, grab somebody at the Welcome Center or hunt me down. I'll help you out with that, too. Altogether, guys, thanks for giving. Thanks for being a part of this church, for being faithful uh, and giving that which has been given to us. Um, you can give online through the mail or the boxes on the wall. But God's been good to us, and we give back in worship and in thankfulness. And uh, thank you for giving. Would you guys pray? Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for that song. Lord, that we long to taste the air of heaven. The Lord's just a... Just God, I think that when you have like the physical aches um, that we go through in this world, it's one way that you built us, that you wired us um, to just kind of yearn for eternity, to yearn for something greater. Um, and Lord, I think that uh, just just thinking about all the pain that our country is going through, Lord, thinking about our world, the pain that our uh, world is going through, God, it's just, I don't know where we'd be without you. I don't know where we'd be down a road. We'd be down a, a river without paddles, with a little boat. That w- that's where we would be without you, Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for being everything to us, for being our Savior, our Rescuer, Lord, our Redeemer, Lord, our Friend. Lord, thank you for that truth. And, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, God, would you change us? Would you make us just, would you make us look, make us act, think a little bit more like Jesus? Lord, as a result of our time with you, God, we love you. We thank you for all that are here, all that are joining us online. God, it's a great day to be here, Lord, to be uh, just a part of this church, and Lord, to follow you um, with every day that we've been gifted. God, we love you. We thank you in all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
I was saying earlier, like first hour, I said, it, you know, usually like when someone leaves the stage, like, you know, it, we, we always do the fancy thing. We turn the lights off and they do like, a, you know, a, a costume change and come back. And I just walk about eight feet and come back. So it's a little bit less climactic, but it's kind of like our church. No frills. Right. And I love that. I love that about our church. And so anyway, I um, I'm glad to be here. I know that I haven't seen a lot of, of you. I've been uh, serving over um, with our student ministry uh, while we continue to search, search for a student pastor. And uh, it's been great to be back with student ministry and, um, you know, just seeing what God is doing in the lives of our young people. So if you have any high school kids or middle school kids, please point them our direction every Sunday, 930. And then Wednesday night is middle school uh, at 630. And then Sunday night is high school at 630. So uh, we're just having a blast and we're rolling. And uh, I, I'm actually feeling a little bit uh, old in some ways because I've missed I've missed some of the, the trends and all that. But nonetheless, it has been great. And we're looking forward to what God is doing in the student ministry. Um, hey, we've been in we've been in the series remarkable. And my my challenge and encouragement to you all as we keep digging into the book of Mark that we keep starting to etch away about what Jesus looks like. What, what is Mark talking about? Specifically, we're going to be in Mark 7, 24 through 30 this morning. But as we look at this story that we're going to talk about this morning about the Syrophoenician woman, I believe God's going to do something powerful because his word is the authority for life. All ages, all types, all people, it's the authority for life. And so as we look at this, uh, I want to open up just a, uh, with a short uh, just kind of what's been going through my life. So my grandmother, uh, we, she was diagnosed with terminal leukemia back in the end of January, and she uh, passed away about a week and a half, two weeks after we found out. And so it's uh, just been a lot of loss in our family with my dad passing away um, just this last December. And, and so just lots of, I don't want to say soul searching, but just God's teaching me a lot. I'm learning a lot about just me. I'm learning a lot about um, how God is, is wired people and just, I'm, I don't know, it's been a, a lot of growth for me and it's been, uh, it's been good. It's been really good. I can't say it's been easy, but it's been good. But one of the things I had to do this last May, uh, we pushed uh, her celebration of life because a lot of my family's from California um, and all, kind of all over the States, to be honest. But we all try to find a date that works. You all know that. And uh, you've been through that situation. So we picked the end of May. So this last um, uh, May, uh, the end of May, we went out and we had my grandmother's celebration of life. And so I was able to speak at her celebration of life, at her funeral. And I'm like, what am I supposed to say? Has anybody been there? Like, what am, what am I supposed to say that's going to have any weight? And truly, there's no human words that carry any weight. They can have a great response. They can render emotion. Human words can do something, right? But the true weight does not come from human words. It comes from God. It comes from him moving. And I, I remember sitting on the conference call with my cousin and my sister. And honestly, like, I forget the other people that were on that call just because it was, it was chaos and maybe... Some of you, you're there, you're like, who, who was that that was talking? This is like family, you know, who, who, which one of my family, you know, who is that? And I remember talking to my cousin and I said, I said, Johnny, I said, what are we going to say? And he goes, I think we just got to let God speak. And I'm like, okay, so, so what does that mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, I, and I said, well, let's start talking through. And I felt like that conversation was really difficult. And what we ended up figuring out was we're going to pray about it, which is very healthy, which is very good. But I felt like a day after that conversation, if you've ever seen in the movies where somebody kind of has that moment where they're by themselves and they're maybe pondering and they're thinking about all kinds of things that are going on. And they kind of have that like rewind and they, they, they rewind over their life, like kind of their whole life and they see things flash before their eyes. And I felt like I 
sat there and just started counting on all my fingers and toes and other things I could find. I'm like, all things that my grandmother has been through, all the losses, all of the wins, all the high points in her life that I can remember. You know, all the major moments I saw just bam, 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 right before my, my, my eyes. You know, she was able to see 15 grandkids. It was amazing. See 15 grandchildren. She outlived her first and her second husband. You know, her daughter, my mother, she watched my mother leave this earth. It'll be five years in October. She watched the neighborhood grow in all kinds of different ways. And, and she watched, you know, you, you've seen there, like a, a new house gets put up or maybe one gets torn down. She's seen so much in her life. You know, I remember we, for a time we lived with my, my grandparents, and I remember watching my grandmother, like, save the Wendy's lids and cups. And she would always say, well, I'm like the, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a depression child. And I never really understood that until I found the gigantic ball of uh, tinfoil in the closet. And my grandfather would just say, oh, just Luke, just wait until she leaves and I'll, you know, I'll take care of it. But anyway, she just, all the things that I'm thinking about my grandmother and I've watched I watched her go through financial struggles. I watched her go through financial pains. I watched her cherish and, and, and nourish these relationships. I sat there at a table with what we call my Aunt Joyce. Does anybody have family that's not actually family, but you refer to them as family? When Jesse and I first met, she goes, so this is your aunt, but she's not. So this is your uncle, but he's not who is this? I'm like, well, that's my cousin. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that we just grew up that way. We had people that were, we, when I would play baseball as a kid, I would say 30% were actually like my family, my mom, my dad, my sisters, but then the rest of them were just friends that were, that were family. They were there at everything. And maybe some of you can relate, but the wonderful relationships that my grandmother had, I thought about those things. I thought about when she was going through chemo the year prior to her passing and her just finding joy. Like you ever see those people and you're just like, if I could just have like a, a like a smidgen of that, like I would be I would be much better than I am now. And I watched her go through that with just joy, sometimes tears, but mostly she would try to find some way to laugh about it. You know, I just watched her go through all these things. And I'm like, what describes her life? And I remember talking at the funeral and I'm talking to people online, too, that were watching that couldn't make it or couldn't join us. And I just I I just kept talking about how when she would call me or she would she was a texter. She was a FaceTimer. But it was always like right before I'm about going to a meeting or the kids were like, I mean, she she was a social butterfly. Like, I'll get out. She sang in choirs, like traveling choirs. Like she was like, 80s got nothing on me. I'm rolling like she is. You know, she was all over the place. And I, I remember getting a FaceTime and it would start off. A picture of the wall and it would make it over to, oh, hey, and I'm like, well, you called me. You know what I mean? But she just she was just. A wonderful person. And this is one of the text messages, one of the last text messages. Um, so I had a few text messages coming into 2021, but this is one of the ones that just really knocked me out of my socks. So this is right after so Easter. We, I sent her a picture of our family, which anybody's like Easter picture with their family. And those of you with younger kids, it was like literally like maybe they just had a nice shirt and like basketball shorts on like that. I mean, we just made it the best that we could. It was on our driveway and the kids were like kind of all over the place, but we just made it work. Um, and she, I sent her this picture and she said back, what a beautiful family. I love Lana's hair. 
So cute. I pray for you, Jesse, and the children every day that the Lord will lead them and guide them in his ways to serve him and keep them safe from the opposing one. Like Timothy and you, you had your great-grandma, your grandma and mother all praying for you and also grandpas and your dad. You and your sisters were blessed to be able to have great-grandparents that lived long lives and you could know and remember them and know their love for the Lord. Love you all. Kissy, praying hands, heart, heart. And then music notes. You know what I mean? Like, that's just who she was. You know, that's who she was. And I thought, what describes her life? Persistence. This is what persistence means. Persistence means continuing firmly or obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Do you know somebody that has persistent faith? Do you have persistent faith? When she was going through some of the most difficult times, whether she said it with her mouth or it just came out of her actions, it, she, her life shouted in the deepest, darkest, hardest times that I watch her go through, crying because she missed my mom, the pain of chemo. Her life shouted, I believe in God and I believe he will do what he says he will do. Do you have that kind of persistent faith? I think sometimes in Christianity and following Jesus growing up in the church, we are so satisfied with faith that can move a bunny hill. What I'm talking about, like faith that can move a mountain. What about that kind of faith? What about that kind of faith that can move a mountain? Do we desire the mountains to be moved or are we just happy with the little bunny hills? Where are we at? You know, as we go through Mark 7, you're going to see... A little bit of change in how Jesus is doing ministry. So Jesus has been ministering in with, with, with Israelites. He's been ministering in this area right here. So then he travels to the coast, uh, more on the coast, to the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is about 35 miles northeast of Capernaum. And he, he starts to do something and he's trying to be, so not trying, he is strategic. Watch everything that Jesus does. There's not something that's just like, oh, Jesus was like walk on the way and like a bird flew out of the way and then a guy showed up and he healed him. Like everything Jesus did had meaning, had purpose, had reason. And it's so much more than our brains can like connect the dots and comprehend. But it shows how big God's plan is. Everything has meaning. Everything has purpose. And oftentimes it doesn't make any sense to us. But what we're going to watch here is he is going into this region, which is Gentile territory. So he moves from ministering to the Israelites. Now he's going up to rest, right? That four-letter word that we struggle so often to do is rest. It's like, I don't even know. And if I just, if I, I, I don't know how to rest. And Jesus demonstrates how to rest. And so he goes up to this Gentile territory and let's read about Jesus' interaction with this very, very important woman who just, this story is incredible. So check this out. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. Just hang out there for a second. You can't hide Jesus. Isn't that cool? Like he goes away to rest, but you can't hide that light. You can't cover it up. Jesus is that powerful. The spread of the gospel is not hindered by just trying to escape. Like Jesus is resting here, but he could not escape notice. People notice Jesus. 
people notice the power of God. And so when, when, when this woman finds him, uh, and then we read in, uh, in verse 25, but after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Verse 26. Now the woman was a Gentile. Mark is very clear to, to, to demonstrate this because there's tension between these two races, between the Jews and the Gentiles. There's, there's tension. There's conflict. Uh, she was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Verse 27, it says, And he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. In verse 28, But he, she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. So what do we learn from this? You know, a few highlights. The, the mode of operation, the MO of Jesus' mission, it wasn't quite to the Gentiles at that time that he goes up into Tyre and Sidon. Like, he goes into that region. It's not quite yet. It's not quite there. But what we see here is that Jesus is trying to demonstrate something. When I first came on staff here, I remember Pastor Ken, he told me, he said, hey, we're going to go down to the elementary school over here and we're going to bring them. I think they were um, like two gigantic trays of cookies and like Mountain Dew and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, the mix. Okay, what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to watch. We're just going to go love on these people and just watch what God does. And we show up and, and like Pastor Ken in the middle of a bunch of people is just always a party. But that is the wonder of what God has done in his life and has made him that way. And I love learning and following alongside of Pastor Ken. Can we thank God for our pastor? I just, I, I think about these things and I'm like, there's a really fancy phrase that's called incarnational ministry. And I'm always like, you know, as like even in, in like seminary, I'm like, what does it even mean? Jesus showed the disciples, how to act. That's what that means. And so, so, so right here is Jesus is showing them, listen, we're going to go. I'm going to get some rest, but you're going to see me minister to somebody and you're going to watch and learn. So we know little about this woman. She is a Gentile. Um, she has a demon possessed daughter. In fact, uh, leave it up to the accountant, but Matthew has a little bit more of a detail description of this story. So Matthew 15, 22 gives a little bit more of a description of this. And he says here, and a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out saying, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon possessed. And then in verse 23, it says, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him saying, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. So Jesus doesn't answer right away. In fact, her disciples, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Her disciples, like the disciples of Jesus actually get ignored. They, 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 feel, um, uh, they feel like she's uh, just an ignorance and they want her to go away. And then later on, you know, Mark in verse 26, he says, uh, it's clear to communicate like here that she's a Gentile. It's very clear that he says she's a Gentile. And this woman, she's just 
She's desperate. If you think about your child, your children going through pain, you just want to take it away from them. I remember our first child, Wyatt, when he was little and he had a fever and I felt like we were up all night. We were worried if I could just take that fever, I would take that. If you've watched your child go through the heartache of of any relationships or maybe tough days at school, getting bullied, all that, you watch your child go through that and you recognize, man, my child is literally my heart walking around. The pain that you wish you could just take away, the pain that you could wish you like, I can't get rid of it. But if I could take it, I would go through that. Like, that's the desperation that this woman is going through here. So Jesus continues on when this woman responds and he says to her, listen, it's not the time. He said, don't forget, like the children get satisfied first and then. Then what? Then it says here, it says, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So he's saying, listen, get the, let, let's have the children. When he's talking about the children, he's talking about Israel. He's talking about the Israelites. And he's saying, listen, well, he said, he's just, it's not time. It's not time for you. Not time. But what Jesus says here is really important because right here he talks about, is it not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? The Gentiles and the Jewish people, there was a lot of cultural tension. In fact, the Jewish people looked at the Gentiles in terms of a scavenger type of an animal, like a dog. That was the reference to them. So Jesus, but here's the power in this, and we're going to talk about this too. Jesus is not referring to this woman as a dog. The type of dog he's talking about is like a puppy, like a household pet. I'm thinking about if my dog was underneath the table, I don't think the table would, just, would, would last. You know what I mean? Those of you know my dog. Um, but I just, I just think about what Jesus is doing he's, 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 he's really, he's, he's calming her down, but he's being, he's just being honest with her and saying, it's just not time. So the woman responds and she follows up and she's like, but she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs on the table feed on the children's crumbs. I love how she responds. She doesn't respond with entitlement. She responds and says, but, but even the dogs get the crumbs. In fact, at that time, what they would do is like if you we were all sitting together during this time, having sharing a meal, there would be bread and there'll be there'd be uh, oils and dips and sauces. And I know it's about lunchtime, so I'm sorry, um, but they would take the bread, dip it in the sauces and in the oils, and then they would eat it. And then whatever was left over bread wise, they would actually wash their they would dry their hands with it and then either leave it on the table, which would end up getting brushed to the floor. And that's what the dogs would get. So just so you understand the cultural context here. And then after she responds this way, Jesus heals her daughter. But Lord, even if we can have the crumbs, the dogs can have the crumbs, right? And Jesus heals her daughter. The mother goes home. She doesn't ask. She goes home and she sees that her daughter is in fact healed of this demon. So here's the first point. If you have the notes on the back of the bullets, and here's the first point. Faith persists in Jesus alone. Faith does not give up. It presses on in difficult times, trials, tribulations, and desperate situations. But only faith in Jesus persists. No faith in anything else can persist. So let's look at this woman, and I want to look at four things just that we can take away and we can implement in our own lives. Here's the first one. The woman's faith was persistent. The woman spoke of, she spoke with confidence and boldness. Think about it. She heard of Jesus. She heard that he was there. She called him Lord. Guys, she knew who he was. She approached him 
with her situation. And as the disciples and Jesus initially did not respond to her, it didn't dissuade her. Think about the amount of like energy that she spent, even just on that quick conversation with Jesus and his disciples. She's literally going up to him with this problem. She's probably tired. She probably left her child at the house, which again, could be three houses down. It could be a mile away. It could be whatever. But leaving her child alone because she probably was shunned. She probably had no friends, family. We don't know anything about her. But all she has is pain and watching this child, and she wants help for her daughter. So she approaches Jesus with this boldness. And the disciples telling her to go away, and Jesus not initially responding to her, she doesn't like, you know, just walk away. She keeps intensifying her request. And so what I want to share with you is that even after they just say, send her away, she keeps following up to Jesus. And I want to encourage you all, we are given the liberty to approach Jesus with our prayers. We're given the liberty to come to Jesus and bring the light, the heavy, or the things that I don't even, we don't even know what to do with. If, I think about often my prayers start off with something, you know, I, I'm thinking about, maybe I just read a verse, or, or I'm praying and I'm saying, God, I, I, I need help and how to love my kids well, how to be a, a good friend, how to be a good husband, how to be a good pastor. And it usually ends with, Lord, just like, just Lord, help me. <laughs> and I think there's power in that. There's power in that because there's things that we just don't know how to talk about, but God wants us to bring those to him. He says, don't stop. Don't back off. He loves it when his children come to him. He's not deaf. He hears everybody. He hears all of us. He isn't cruel to make us wait. I think sometimes we forget the fact that Jesus is trying to grow in us. God is trying to grow on us through the waiting, which is so hard. That's the reality, is when we pray, when we talk to God, he's, he might say, not now, and I'm growing you. I'm doing something in your life that you just can't see, but I'm doing something. And so I want to encourage you, grab a prayer journal as you leave. Even if you don't grab it, I encourage you, make 15 minutes a day totally blocked off and give God 15 minutes a day and watch it take off. Pray, restart in the book of John and read through just a few verses and write a few thoughts down. Put your, put your clock on. I guarantee you that that 15 minutes will go by like this. Here's the other thing. My kids, my kids are, my kids are hilarious. Um, that's why they make a lot of shows after kids, I think. But my kids this week were in the car, we're driving and they're like totally silent, nonstop questions before that, but totally silent. And all of a sudden they're like, Hey dad, how do you? How do you, how do you build muscles? And, I, and I'm like, uh, uh, you know, weights can't tell, you know, weights. It's like you have, you know, you, 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 I don't know. You could run up and down hills. We can lift heavy, I don't know, boxes, whatever. Like, I'm just trying to like. You guys know, like as a parent, you feel like you have your reservoir of like answers. We've got about three responses and they have about three million questions and we try to pick from the one of the three responses and i'm like uh i mean we'll talk about it later (laughs) but my kids are like five seven and nine and i'm sitting there going they're they're worried about muscles in fact the five-year-old goes yeah talking about one of his friends he's got abs and I, and I said right after that, I just said, 
Lord help me. (laughs) But think about this. If we want to grow our faith muscles, church, what do you do? You work out with Jesus. I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but listen, I think, I think sometimes we miss the simple. Do we work out with Jesus? Do we work out with him in the Bible? Are we praying and talking to him? Are we working that out? If we look over and we're like our faith muscles are, are suffering, we're not connecting with God. We're not connecting with the best workout fitness instructor spiritually in existence. We're not. But here's the other thing, too. The more weight that I lift, if I have 15-pound weights and I'm over here, I'm just going to be honest, like we're 15 pounds, I'm rocking it, whatever. If I'm two weeks in, I might be able to bump that to 20, bump some reps, whatever. I can start to kind of grow that and like work out. If I ran a mile, I might be running a mile and a quarter and then a mile and a half, two miles. Jesus, spending time with Jesus, that is the only thing in existence where the more weight you work, the less heavy it becomes. You catch that? The more times that we work out with Jesus, the less heavy it becomes. We can work out more, but the less weight we end up carrying because of who we work out with. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 gives a great picture of this. It says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So she had persistence. The woman's faith was also humble. The woman's faith was humble. You know, the woman's demonstrated humility because she approached Jesus. First of all, Lord, have mercy. Probably, she was begging. The disciples saw Matthew records Anytime you have somebody saying, have mercy, they're not sitting there like leaning on the wall like this. They're, they're literally at a posture of, Lord, help me. She approaches him with humility. I want you to check this out. I think one of the greatest problems in our culture is this entitlement that somehow the universe or even God owes us comfort and success. I think that's one of the greatest issues that I see is that there is this entitlement out there that somehow success and comfort are due because I deserve it. Wow. The truth is, what do we deserve? The the painful and sad truth is that God owes us nothing. In fact, we deserve eternal separation from God in a place called hell. That is what we deserve. Why? Because we are sinners. But I'll tell you this, I think there's so much power when we, when, we, when we have the expectation and it begins with the truth of what we deserve, which is a separation from God eternally, what happens after that? Everything else becomes a gift. The Syrophoenician woman approached Jesus calling him Lord. She calls him Lord. She's, she acknowledges who he is, Lord. Jesus, you are God. You are my king. You are just you are like just there's worship there's a level of she is just acknowledging who he is back at the end of may when we were um in chicago back home and i remember we had uh just had a really emotional day we came back to the hotel and i had my whole family in tow and we're walking through the side of the building not to like interrupt the quietness and calmness and and isn't it so funny like in the moment in the quiet and the calm with your kids it's like uh, uh, just magically their fifth wind breaks in. They're like, let's go to the pool. And you're like, 
You know what I mean? Like you get it. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, we're trying to figure that out. And like Lana, my daughter is asleep on my shoulders. And we're walking into the side of the hotel. And then I see that the door is, is, is like locked. Cause my first child, you know, of course rushes across the parking lot to like open the door. And I'm kind of doing one of these. And I'm like, like the key card, look at the five-year-old. Do you have it? You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. I'm like, okay, seven-year-old probably has it. Cause you know that he's got it all together, but I can't find a key card. There's a young man, probably about. 18, 17, right outside in a bench, and he sees the, the chaos of, of the interaction of our family trying to find the key card, and he says, hey, I, I have you. I got you. He opens up the door. We go inside. I'm exhausted. And what do we do when we're exhausted? I can only think of me. I say, hey, man, I really appreciate that. I said, how you, how you doing today? And I look over, and Jesse's kind of like inside just Doing one of these, like, let's go. We got the kids. They're, like, sane for three minutes. Like, let's move everybody inside. And I'm like, no, like, I'll be up in a second. And I'm talking to this young man, and he begins to share with me within a three-minute span his life story. He said, listen, I'm, I'm here. We've been traveling back and forth, and um, I, I lost my brother last year. He died. And he just starts going into the detail, and I'm like, what do you, what do, you do in those moments? And then he... I thought he was going to continue to talk about himself because I asked, right? He goes, why are you here? I said, and I explained the situation. I said, my grandmother passed away and we're here celebrating her life. Well, we talked for about another 25 minutes. He talked for three. I talked for the other 22. He began to say, you're the focus right now. I'm like, wow. He just had such a humility because, you know, when someone asks you, you want to talk. Don't get me wrong. But when you turn it around, you start asking the other person, you're like, it's about you. It blew my mind. In fact, as I started to really think about what a humble heart looks like, I also think hum- humility also avoids blaming and, and bears no grudges. And undoubtedly, this woman that we're reading about, she's been marginalized. She's been ignored much of her life, yet she didn't have a negative attitude that kept her from seeking God's mercy. There was no entitlement. Hey, God, you owe me this. Uh, could you help my daughter? Lord, have mercy. Lord, my daughter. Do you see the difference? How would we as a church look if our first step was to recognize the truth that we don't deserve anything and we are not entitled to anything? We've been given a gift from God through his son, Jesus Christ. And just like this man, he had a gift to share. In fact, I saw him a day later and he rushes up to me. And there's a crowd of people who are in the lobby. And I'm kind of like, you know, we're always like on the next thing. If I'm looking at you, I've got 15 things I'm thinking about. Like you guys have been there. And I'm, I see this guy coming. I'm like, hey, how's it going? I got a song I want to share with you. I'm like, okay. People are everywhere. You know, you just, you're like, right, like right here, like right here, like now. You know what I mean? Like right here, like right now, like, you know what I mean? Like it happens, right? It happens. And, I, and, I, and he's playing me this song. He like pushes it on his phone. He's like putting it up to my ear and like we're listening to it. And the song was just talking about, you know, when all is said and done, there's going to be no more conflict between people. That when we go to spend eternity with Jesus, he'll wipe every tear. And we'll sit with him forever and enjoy him forever. And the song goes on and on. It's by Cochran and Sons. It's a wonderful, wonderful song. And I'm sitting there going, he had a gift. He couldn't wait. He didn't care who was sitting in the lobby. He didn't care that my kids were like, you know, all over the place. And like, he, did, he just had a gift. And I'm like, what if we looked like that? What if we looked like that? We had that, 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 that 
understanding that we have a gift to share and we got pe- we want people to know about it. I just I'm blown away by that interaction and blown away by this woman. And you know, the other thing too is I think Jesus teaches us how to pray. He says, "Hallowed be your name, God. You are holy." Solomon talks about in Ecclesiastes 5.2, he said, God is in heaven and we are here on earth, so let our words be few. If we recognize how big God is and how small we are, it changes everything. I don't know about you, but when I think about all the things that I'm going through and I just sit for a second, I just think about God. I'm like, all right, God, you are so big. You get me. You understand me. Uh, But I... um, I clearly don't, and um, I, there's just so much going on, and I, and I think about that, and it just changes me. So she had, she, her, her faith was humble. Her faith was also focused. The woman's faith was focused. You know, we don't read anything about this woman's life being, you know, we don't read about a husband. We don't read about a family. We are trying to imagine this woman's life raising a child who is demon-possessed. It's so difficult. She was shunned. She had no help from neighbors, no community. She had no Facebook support group. She had no group messaging. Like, she had nothing. But what we can learn is that she had focus. Her focus was on no one else but Jesus Christ, her hope. How much do we place a laser focus on everything but Christ? You know, when I think about the story of Peter, it's one of my favorite stories. Why? Because we always go, Peter sees Jesus, they're on the boat, In the water, he sees Jesus, he gets off the boat, he starts walking towards Jesus, he sees the waves, and then he sinks. And then Jesus goes, oh, you did, like, what what was wrong with your faith? Like, what's the matter with you? You know what I mean? And I think about, that's where we always see that story. But I want to rewind a little bit, because there's so much power in, like, the instances that lead up to that. Peter gets on the boat, he sees Jesus, Jesus calls out to him, follow me on the water, and he walks towards Jesus. And then as he's looking at Jesus, he sees the waves. Anybody been in those shoes? We get off the boat. We're following Jesus. We're walking by faith. And then I see the bills I can't pay. And then I see the troubles that my kids are going through that I have no answers for. Or I see the marital problems in my own life that I don't know how to articulate the solutions for. Or I look over here and all I see is the relational pain that I'm supposed to be a leader in and I'm supposed to help in. And I can't do anything about it. And all I get is just sucked into everything. And then I start drowning. What's so powerful about there is the story doesn't stop there. Peter doesn't sink and go bloop, bloop, and that's the end of the story. He cries out, Lord, save me. He doesn't cry out to his buddies in the boat. His buddies in the boat are probably got their heads between their legs, curled up in the corner of the boat, screaming and crying. You know what I mean? Who knows? They're like scared out of their minds. Jesus reaches and pulls him out. So Jesus pulls him out. Jesus pulls him out. And yes, he challenges his faith. But Jesus pulled him out first. We cannot go wrong focusing on Jesus. This Syrophoenician woman and Peter are something in common. They both were at the end of the ropes. The woman had nothing, no one to help, a daughter who was struggling. Cast out from society. Cultural and societal tension present, yet she had faith that Jesus would do what he said he would do. Peter believed in Jesus. He followed him out on the water and sank. But when his boat started sinking, he didn't cry out to his disciples. He cried out, Lord, save me. Recently, I had a conversation with somebody that said, um, how are you going to grow your church? I, that question drives me nuts. I'm like, I don't know. First of all, it's not mine. Don't get me wrong. 
you look on the back side of the gym, they're, they're, we're, we're finishing the, the metal and we're, we're going to start to, you know, paint. You might see some paint here and there. You might see some things get moved around, you know, a little bit of just, you know, cleaning things up. But I will tell you, standing here before you today, this morning, that the focus will forever and always be until these building is in crumbles. The focus will be to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to stand on the word of God as the ultimate authority. That is going to be the focus of the crossroads. Where is our focus? Where is our focus? Is it Jesus? When we place our focus on Jesus, everything follows. Not how we think it should look like, but what God intends it to be. Here's the fourth point, is the woman's faith was confident. You know, when she, when, she pre- when she was presented initially with the apparent disinterest of Jesus and his disciples, she doesn't give up. She just could have went home. Okay, all right. But she did not. She pushed right through to Jesus and believed he was who he said he was and that he would do what he said he would do. She never waited around to double check with Jesus after her daughter was healed. She didn't say, well, can I quick FaceTime her? Can I can I call? You know, she just it says Jesus said, go home. Your daughter's healed. And she turned and went home. Like what obedience? What what just belief and faith right there? The woman just left and went home to see her daughter. If Jesus were to assess, church, our faith, would he find our faith great? Faith is not simply, let's try more, let's be better, let's do more. The Syrophoenician woman's faith was persistent, not because she was an all-star of the faith. She had persistent faith because her faith faith was dependent on the fact that God is able Persistent faith is faith that God believe, that, that believes that God is able. Persistent faith is faith that believes God is able. The woman believed with all her heart and would receive whatever Jesus would give to her. That's why she says, but don't the dogs get the crumbs? She's saying, even if I get just a few crumbs from you, Jesus, that, that will change my life. Wow. That will change my life. You know what's so powerful is the way that she responds to Jesus. Think about it. You are bottling up all of your energy to go stand before Jesus to try to heal your child. And then the, the apparent disinterest from Jesus and his disciples could just blow you out of the water. But then she says, I just could have some crumbs. Where else do we hear that? If I can just touch his cloak. If I can just touch the part of Jesus's clothes, I'll be healed. The faith, the persistent faith. Dr. R.C. Sprawl writes uh, a quote in his commentary. He says, the good news is that the overflow of mercy and grace that comes to us from the hands of God, though we should be satisfied with the crumbs, he is not satisfied with giving us crumbs. He has lavished his grace on us. This woman knew that even if she got the crumbs, it would be life-changing, but God doesn't stop there. He heals this woman's daughter because of this woman's great faith in him. Faith is how we live. We walk by faith, not by sight, right? We walk by faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 speaks to this. Like when we begin that relationship with Jesus, and maybe some of you watching online this morning or maybe you here in the building, you're like, I don't have that relationship with Christ. How do I get this gift? Well, first of all, you receive this gift. Not by anything you can do. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. The woman received the gift of salvation and know and knew Jesus was the only one that could heal her daughter. It was the woman's faith in Jesus that healed her daughter. It wasn't how much faith she had, but the fact that her faith was in Jesus Christ alone. What is so powerful, guys, about this short story, this short passage, is that Jesus was trying to demonstrate to the disciples, guess what? The gospel, this good news that we're sharing, it's not just to the Jew, it's to the Gentile. In fact, Paul talks about in Romans, which Rome was power obsessed. I can think of another culture. I can think of another country and world currently that is power obsessed. And Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power to, for salvation first to the Jew and then the Gentile. What if we church were obsessed with the power of God? Power of God. What is so powerful here is that Jesus is sharing. It's to all people and he's demonstrating that. So I want to invite you to trust in Jesus just like this woman did. She believed that Jesus was able. Do you believe that God is able? Hebrews 7.25 says this. Therefore, he is able to also save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. I want to invite you to Jesus this morning. And maybe just in the quietness, in the stillness this morning, just have some time with God. Just thanking him that he is able to save. Maybe some of you are here this, this morning without that personal relationship with Jesus and you want to start. And, and as, we, as we pray this morning, I just want to invite you to Jesus. God, thank you this morning that we have the word of the word. We have the Bible, God. We have these words that are holy, that are powerful, that have authority. Thank you, God, for giving us your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we, just, we, we, we just want to be just like this Syrophoenician woman, Lord. We want to approach you with humility, with persistence, God, with confidence, Lord, with humility. We want to just approach you, sit at your feet, God. We want to just learn how to pray with you, how to talk to you, God, how to learn from you. Lord, this morning, I pray that if anyone's here does not have that relationship with you, Jesus, they would just say something simple in the quietness between them and you. Jesus, I believe that I am a sinner and I believe that I need you. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Now I give my life to follow you forever, to tell others about you. Grow me as I follow you. As I read your word. Lord, I pray for our people as we go. That we would have persistent faith. That we would be focused on you, Jesus. That we would work out our faith muscles as we grow. That we would meet with you daily. Learn and hear from you, God. Lord, be with your people as we go. And God, I just pray for great things to come out of just even today and this week as we come back next week and we hear what's going on in each other's lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you for being the, the source and the anchor of our faith. Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.
Guys, thank you for being here this morning. I just want to invite you to go sign up for the picnic that is next Sunday. Please, we want to see everybody there. It's going to be so much fun and good food. But we love you guys. Have a great week. Take care. Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight, the stars shine bright and spell my name. The winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky. I'm drifting off in the deep of the valley. Your presence surrounds me. The crickets sing and trees ring and I want to let you know Oh